We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? It is Friday in Chiefs Kingdom, and that means we are going to be joined on this episode of KCSN Update by our guy, from Pro Football Focus, Trevor Sikama. KCSN Update is your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel, founder of KCSN and former Chiefs insider and sideline reporter. Quick nugget for today. In case you didn't hear, Patrick Mahomes currently leads the MVP um, odds race. If you go over to our friends at DraftKings, Patrick Mahomes plus 200 uh, to be the league's MVP edging out Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen as the three guys with the best odds right now to win, uh, again, the NFL's MVP award. A lot of time, a lot of football to be played, uh, but still um, for Chiefs fans that think that Patrick Mahomes isn't always getting his due respect, uh, Vegas is giving him his due respect, and obviously the Lions are giving him his respect there as well. Before we bring on Trevor to get his three key matchups in this game on Sunday between the Chiefs and Jags, here's a quick word from our friends at DraftKings. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. And check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. Uh, my personal favorite are the anytime scores. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You can spread them out across the NFL, and you always feel like you got a shot. And with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KCSN and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, let's welcome on Trevor Sikama from Put Pro Football Focus. Trevor, always good to see you. I'm excited to talk about this game on Sunday between the Chiefs and Jags. But first, I do want to get your thoughts on the Chiefs win. Uh, wasn't the prettiest win, uh, but their win last Sunday night against the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I, look, I was listening to your intro of the show there, and you were talking about Patrick Mahomes now being the favorite for MVP. 
it's because of last week. Now it's obviously only not, not just because of last week. He's been incredible the entire season. He's been incredible throughout his entire career. That's no surprise, but what he was able to do in, in comeback fashion, dramatic fashion last week yeah. against the Titan against the Titans was just so unbelievably impressive. And man, my hat is off to Mike Vrabel as well. Uh, we're, I don't want to say starting because it feels like we've been saying this for a long time, but it feels like Vrabel doesn't really get the recognition that he deserves. Like the team itself doesn't get the recognition they deserve where everybody looks at the Titans and goes, yeah, I mean, good football team, you know, well coached, everything like that, but ah, they're really a threat. Not really. And we <laughs> kind of go into that when we talk about the Titans versus the upper echelon of teams in the NFL, I'll tell you BJ. And I, I wonder if you agree with this. Titans still had AJ Brown. They probably win that game, right? If they if they had just one guy who was competent, it felt like in the passing game, they probably do enough to just edge out a victory. But unfortunately, you know when Patrick Mahomes started and that that offense started to get hot. Well, unfortunately for them, fortunately for everybody who's listening to this podcast, <laughs> when Mahomes and that offense started to get hot as the game started to wind down in the fourth quarter and overtime, it just became too much. And the Chiefs became mm-hmm. the Chiefs, and they overwhelmed the Titans um, in a way that they just could not overcome. So. It was a very fun game. Always love these battles. I was listening to um, Travis and Jason Kelsey's podcast earlier this week as well. And uh, Travis was talking about just how much of a battle it is every time you go up against the Titans. That you just know it's going to be an absolute war in there. No points are guaranteed. No yards are guaranteed. And they make you work for absolutely everything. That's why playing the Titans and seeing the Titans against a team like the Chiefs is so fun. And Chiefs kind of come away with this one. Yeah, it it was a beautiful game. Uh, the way that it it finished, uh, and the way that we saw Patrick Mahomes kind of do his thing and will his team to a victory because that was not fun to watch. And I'm not going to completely disagree with you uh, on what would have happened. Do I think the <laughs> Titans would have had more than ten yards of offense in the second half or overtime? I don't know, but I would have right. liked to have seen Trent McDuffie get challenged a little bit more for his first game back. I know it was a nice game for him to get uh, in there. Saw him make a couple of plays. Looked like he was doing well in coverage, uh, but to your point, if they have a uh, a more more of a threat in the passing game, we may have seen a little bit more of Trent McDuffie, which I would have seen. Uh, been interesting to see how that plays out, and uh, we'll probably see that more um, on Sunday against the Jags. Uh, but I want to get into this game on Sunday against the Jaguars because Chiefs fans, there's been the the light talk about the AFC South and just kind of murmuring about it because we saw it with the Indianapolis Colts earlier in the year and the Chiefs did not play well. We just saw it with the Titans. Right. And then uh, we don't want that to necessarily be the case with uh, familiar face Doug Peterson coming back to Kansas City. Um, before we get into your three matchups, just as you look at this game from 50,000 feet, uh, what stands out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a game where you, you hate to say this about the NFL, but it's, it is one where the Chiefs should win, right? On their mm. crusade to get the number one overall seed, which – as we go through this thing, man, it gets more and more important to get that number one overall seed, not just to get the bye, but also to guarantee that you're going to have home field advantage no matter where you are throughout the playoffs. I mean, you look at how well the Ravens are really starting to play and how they could be a, a division winner. You look at the, a, a team in the AFC North as well and the Bengals where, shoot, you look at what they've been at home. Cincinnati Bengals at home, I think, are six and one in their last seven home games. So all of a sudden, like Cincinnati's become a major home field advantage for them. If they win the division, if they start stacking wins, all of a sudden you don't want to be in a spot where you have to go to them in the playoffs. Of course, you're in a race with the jets and the bills and the dolphins and everything. And so you hate to say that they should win this one because at the pro level, it's the margin for error is so small, but they should win this one. You know, the Jags aren't there 
yet. We're seeing that kind of everywhere around the roster. The defense is still young. It's got a lot of pieces, but they're still coming together. They're not a full-time cohesive unit. I still think this offense is missing a major difference maker in the passing game. We saw them make a deal for Calvin Ridley at the deadline. That's going to be a lot of fun next year, but it doesn't help them this year. Trevor Lawrence getting a little bit better. I know people were dogging on him towards um, the middle of, uh, I'll say a quarter of the way through the season, but I do think he's getting, I, I do think that he's progressing. And Doug Peterson, I just think is a really damn good coach. So I think the Jags are going places, but not quite this year. So I, I, I just don't see them really being able to go toe for toe with the, Kansas City Chiefs in most situations, although we know anything can happen in any given week. So that's just kind of how it feels to me is that the Jags are in a spot where they're trying to get to that Chiefs kind of level. They're trying to get to that. We're contending for the division. We're contending for playoff spots, all that stuff, but they're not there yet. And the Chiefs really can't let off the gas. They have to win as many games as possible because shoot, even if they win as many games as we think is possible for them over the last half of the stretch of this season, they might only get home field advantage by one game. So every single yeah. game is so, so, so crucial for them, um, especially going into this matchup. Yeah, it depends how many games you think Buffalo is going to lose uh, between right. now and then and how right. serious the the elbow injury, how much that's going to affect Josh Allen moving forward. We talked a little bit about that uh, yesterday on our show outside the trenches, but uh, interesting to see how that plays out. I In looking at this matchup, and, and Brett Coleman told me this on Wednesday when we recorded KCS an update, that he sees a lot of uh, – young Josh Allen and Trevor Lawrence might not necessarily have the same physical abilities, but just from a figuring out the position, figuring out what he can get away with, maybe forcing things too much, trying to play hero ball a little bit more than he should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's hoping to see that same kind of development, not, not same players, not exact skill set, not saying he's going to be the next Josh Allen, anything like that. But uh, as far as the young mistakes that you saw, I guess or the mistakes you saw from a young Josh Allen is what he's seeing from Trevor Lawrence. And I want to get into your matchups. I want to stay on that side, but I don't think the Jags offense, much like we knew that the Titans offense went through their running game because it was Derrick Henry on a different level. It seems like this Jags offense right now, as they're finding their, their identity is going through their running game as well. And I know that's one of the first key matchups you've got. It is. And it it's more of less of just the running game and more of certain matchups that the Jags, I think are going to lean on going up against the, Kansas City Chiefs linebacker unit specifically. And the first one is obviously with Travis Etienne. Etienne has been unbelievable since they've really opened up the playbook to him and really emphasized him in the offense. Last five weeks for them, so weeks five, six, seven, eight, and nine, he has had over 100 yards from scrimmage, both rushing and receiving in each of those games. And then if you look at week seven, eight, nine, he's got four touchdowns in three weeks. I mean, This guy seems like the playmaker that everyone believed that he would be transitioning to the NFL from what we saw at Clemson. I mean, the speed is just unbelievable. uh, And now we're seeing a lot of the rest of his game come along with it. That vision's going with confidence. You can see him running faster. You can see him running harder, all that kinds of stuff. So he definitely has a ton of confidence. So what they're going to do with Travis Etienne, not just in the run game, but also in the receiving game and and how that's going to match up with some pretty athletic linebackers that Kansas City has, right? They have decent mm-hmm. speed in the middle, guys with like Nick Bolton, um, guys like Willie Gay. Nick Bolton's got a 70 coverage grade this season for us, and that's pretty good, honestly. Like for a linebacker, that's pretty damn good. You really don't get yeah. a lot higher than that unless you're, you know, Fred Warner or <laughs> sometimes Levante David when he's been playing really well or whatever it is. But Bolton's only got two missed tackles this year when he's been in coverage, and yet he has 10 
solo stops. So that's a ratio that you love to see when he's one-on-one with a guy normally coming downhill in coverage because linebackers, they're going to want to keep these guys in front of them, especially going up against halfbacks. That's what you want to see. You just don't want to see him miss tackles. And Bolton does not have a lot of missed tackles, which is good. He's given up 28 catches for uh, 230 yards in coverage. But a lot of that is, again, like he's playing things really well. He's kind of keeping things in front of him, which you like to see. Willie Gay, not as good in coverage as Nick Bolton is, as everybody kind of would have expected. His coverage grade is worse at 56.6. And where I really think that that comes into play is – if Bolton is mainly going to be worried about Travis Etienne, then Willie Gay is probably going to be matched up at least a little bit against maybe the tight end passing game that the Jaguars have. And especially recently, they have not been afraid to go to Evan Ingram. And Evan Ingram, hmm. you know, remember his time when he was coming out of Ole Miss and what he was with the Giants, although it was disappointing, he's an athletic tight end. And I feel like I've seen a lot of flashes of him being a nice athletic tight end over the middle, even to the sideline when going up against certain matchups and they've been feeding him the ball. You know, he is, let me see here. Third in third on the team in targets, fourth on the team in first downs. It could be a big day for him. If Kansas city doesn't have the luxury to put Nick Bolton on Evan Ingram, then all of a sudden it becomes a really important day for Willie Gay to limit the first downs and limit the yardage and that kinds of stuff. So more it's, it's more so a all around how the Jags are going to attack these chiefs linebackers and how well of a job they can do in coverage against two pretty nice weapons in Evan Ingram. And then of course, Travis Etienne as well. Now, that's really interesting. Just looking at the numbers and a completely unbiased look at that because chiefs fans, uh, if they would ask you before the season, it was Nick Bolton. That was the one area. He was more of a downhill, not a lateral agility type guy. And that Willie Gay right. was the more guy who's going to be, um, you know, making plays in pass coverage. He was trying to, you know, get more interceptions or five interceptions or whatever, you know, his goals were. And he talked about that back at training camp and the kind of the knock on Nick Bolton was um, the pass coverage. I think this year it's a little bit more um, diagnosing things quickly and get not necessarily having, you know, those second, uh, those, those offensive linemen doing those combo blocks up to the second level and kind of waiting uh, has been kind of the knock, but uh, interesting to look at those numbers and hear how well Nick Bolton has been doing in coverage. And obviously uh, you look at the chief defense and what they did, and especially in the second half against the Titans in that running game, curious how much that has to do with the lack of a passing game with Malik Willis, the changes that right. they had made to some of the bare right. front type things that they had, they had done. And we've got breakdowns of a lot of that stuff here on our, on our YouTube channel, but um, interesting that the coverage grades are what they are. I'm trying to process mm-hmm. everything you just said, cause that's very different than uh, what a lot of chiefs fans would have expected coming into this season. And uh, you know, and coaches the thing, when they're go ahead. Uh, well, I, no, I was, I was just going to say about uh, Nick Bolton is when I was watching him coming out of Missouri as a draft prospect, that was the area that I also had concern of him because mm-hmm. you mentioned that Bolton is this major downhill runner and he's somebody who's trying to get to the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage. He's always trying to shoot the gaps. He's trying to make tackles for loss, all that kinds of stuff. But there were plenty of times at Missouri when I would go, you are athletic enough to be good in coverage. <laughs> You're just too aggressive. Like he's just too over-aggressive about it. Either he'd bite on play action or he'd sell out against the run or whatever it is. Somebody hit a pop pass over him or you know he wouldn't put himself in the right position where even a – quick little dump off pass to the flat. Okay. Nick Bolton might be able to go over there, but if he's going at it too aggressive, then he's not actually making the stop. He's missing the tackle. Yeah. It's not a great job in coverage by him. And I just think that really 
over the last couple of years, Bolton has definitely matured in that area. He's learning when to put his foot in the ground and really get from zero to a hundred, if you will. And then he's also learning, Hey, I got to shuffle. I got to get lateral. I got to keep guys in front of me. And when I look at his stats, I feel like that's what I see the most, especially against halfback specifically is he's learning to be a little bit more patient, learning to say like, mm-hmm. okay, it's not just go, 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 go. Sometimes it's wait, 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 now go because he is athletic enough yeah. to be able to do that. So I do think this has been his best coverage here. That's great. And I, it's interesting also because you look at that position and I think sometimes you have to be honest with yourselves and look around the league and, you know, Chiefs fans, and I, I don't think these are just Chiefs fans. I think it's all NFL fans when they're, you know, trying to di- like diagnose or, you know, break down their roster. It's like, well, we need a guy who can do this and this and this. It's really hard to find middle linebackers who could do a lot of things. I used to make this uh, comparison with like the Chiefs offensive line because Andy Reid, when it was like Laurent Duvernay Tardif and, and Mitch Morris, and uh, there was a handful of guys who were very athletic, very um, much involved in like the screen game, get out down the field or 20 yards down the field on an angle route, helping block. Um, but then they'd struggle on like third and one. So some of these same issues that Chiefs are running into now, I think for different reasons, uh, but couldn't necessarily do that. A lot of that power running game. It was like, well, we need a guy who can do both. I'm like, well, if you can get an offensive lineman who can get out and run 20 yards down the field and do those blocks and can be physical up front, you're looking for a unicorn. Like you're looking for an all pro player right. at literally every level. Same thing with linebackers for to find a guy is physical and can do stuff in the running game the way that Nick Bolton does and take on blockers when he sees it and goes, but then also be very good in pass coverage. Very difficult to find. I use the unicorn analogy because that's how it was described to me once of Bob Sutton's defense, those three, four outside linebackers, finding guys who could drop in coverage, who could get after the pass, who could set the edge in the run game. It's, it's really hard if you're not picking in the top five or spending $25 million a year in free agency to find guys who can consistently do both those things. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No doubt. Uh, but let's move to the other side of the ball. Cause anytime you talk about a matchup or going into a game, uh, 
with the Chiefs, it's always going to be what can you do to try to slow down or contain Patrick Mahomes. And what we've seen so far this year is you can't contain Patrick Mahomes. But if you can win in the trenches, you've got a shot. And that's a strength of this Jags team. I'm going to sound like a broken record. And I I hate (laughs) sounding like a broken record. I hate bringing this up. But until it gets better, I don't know what to do. Because uh, I was always taught the trenches matter most. And if you've got a big deficiency (laughs) in the trenches, then that is going to be a key key area of the game. I've said it before on this podcast. I know that you guys have said this as well. It's my favorite um, stat that you bring up is like number one? of pressures allowed and number of sacks actually well, get it. Like, oh, is that it again? I, I've used it so many times. I'm like, this just it's another way to explain the brilliance of what we're seeing from Patrick. I, Mahomes. I did a little bit of, I did a little bit deeper of research. I tried to contextualize <laughs> some of these stats because Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown, both fourth and second in most pressures allowed so far this year. Wiley's given up 28. Orlando Brown is 30th. So those are fourth and second most in the NFL. Now, I thought to myself, okay, well, hold on. Maybe they just started really bad and they played better recently. Okay, well, if you limit the timeline to just the last four games for the Kansas City Chiefs, it's no Mm -hmm. better. They're still second and fourth, actually flipped, though. But And then I go, okay, well, what about, like, super recently? I go to the last two games. They're both tied for fifth, just in the last two games. So it's not something that has gotten better throughout the year. These two offensive tackles have given up a ton of pressures. And that kind of goes to what you're saying. It's just this Mahomes magic of you still can't get the guy down. He's still able to get the ball out. He's still trying to play well. And he is playing well. And I think that that also goes into MVP candidacy when you get to see plays like that. But unfortunately, there is just going to be a time or a game or a week where maybe Mahomes isn't as good of a magician as he normally is. Maybe the the offensive line just it, it's not having a good day overall because we know the guys on the interior have played really well. But against the Jags specifically, this is another unit that could really attack this weakness for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think a lot of people are going to point out the fact that the Jags have just 16 sacks in nine games. Okay, that's pretty low. I think that that's 22nd in the NFL, and people go like, oh, okay, you know, like they can't get after the passer. We'll be fine. But you go a little bit deeper with certain stats. They're sixth in total pressures with 163. They're 13th in pass rush win percentage. They're 15th in PFF passing grade. And then if you specify the criteria to just the Jacksonville Jaguars edge rushers, they are uh, eighth in the NFL with 89 pressures. They are 14th in pass rush win rate. And they are actually eighth in the NFL in sacks with 12 and a half, 12 and a half of their sacks of, of their 16 total sacks come from that edge rush position. So, if you look at the Jags defensive line as a whole, and I think a lot of people are going to point out the fact that they only have 16 sacks on the year and how that is uh, a not good number. You go, okay, mm-hmm. then they're not going to be susceptible. If you specify it to just pressures, if you specify it to just edge rushers, Jags are actually, they look like a top 10, top 12 unit in the NFL. So it's a better unit than you think. And, and ultimately that's something that's, you have to focus on because the game starts up front. Of course, is the cliche that people say over and over again. And like, like I said before, Mahomes has been a magician so many times this year, so many times throughout his career, when he gets pressure, he can still make something happen, but you play with fire long enough. You are going to get burned eventually. Not that you're going to get engulfed in flames. Not that I'm saying that this is going to be something that he can never overcome, 
But in my opinion, there is going to be a week where this just becomes too much. And that might be the Achilles heel for him that week. Maybe it is this week. The Jags have been playing well on the edges. So uh, unfortunately, we have talked about it a lot on this show, but I have to keep bringing it up specifically because the offensive tackle work has not gotten better as the year has progressed. And they're going up against a unit that's got pretty great edge rushers this week. Yeah. I want to ask you, because I don't know if I've just directly asked you that this year, uh, as much as we've talked about Patrick Mahomes, and people have alluded to it on the network, but is this the most impressive season through, let's say, eight games that you've seen from Patrick Mahomes in his short career thus far? Uh, leading the NFL in touchdown passes, leading the NFL in yards, the next-gen stats that come out. I know you guys have your stuff at PFF of how much he's scrambling. We contextualize it all of in every different which way. I think last week saw something that he scrambled for 489 yards behind the line of scrimmage in that game total before he was making plays. You're talking about how many pressures they're giving up relative to other quarterbacks in the NFL dealing with yeah. the same kind of thing. Yeah. And this guy's getting pressured among the most in the NFL. He's also leading the league uh, in all of these offensive categories. And then, well, it's like, is he just putting up stats or is he making plays? Well, look at last week against the Titans. He throws for 480 yards because they played 92 offensive plays in that game. But at the same time, the biggest plays that he made were in the running game because the Chiefs had 13 carries for 14 yards from the Chiefs rushing attack. Yeah. So every different way that you contextualize what he's doing to get wins, to put up the numbers that lead to the victories. This is the most impressive season that you've seen from Patrick Mahomes at this point because of all of the data that you've got in front of you? I think it has to be, right? I mean, you it, it, it's almost like when you look at the offensive side of the ball and I know Brett Veach isn't doing this on purpose, but it's almost like he's daring him to say like, okay, I'm going to take away, like we're like, we're going to take away the other pieces and we're going to see how good you really are. We're going to see how much of that half a billion dollars you're actually worth here. And he's, he's, he's proving to be worth every penny. And I, again, like I'm obviously joking. That's not what they're doing here, but you look yeah. at the situations and how it's played out. I'm sure this team didn't want to lose Tyree kill, but the situation came about where it made sense for them to move on. Um, and you get rid of, as we are seeing now, the best wide receiver in the NFL. Tyree mm -hmm. kill is the best wide receiver in the NFL. He has been for the last three or four years. You're taking that guy away from Patrick Mahomes and you're saying, okay, now do it with Marquez Valdez, Scantling and Juju Smith Schuster and Miko Hardman. Of course he still has Travis Kelsey, but a lot of teams have one really good passing weapon, yeah. right? A lot of teams have that. It's not like there's this plethora of weapons. Then you say to Patrick Mahomes, okay, well, now both of your offensive tackles are going to be in the bottom five of the NFL and pressure's allowed. See what you can do with that. We're seeing what he does with that. On top of all that, there have been plenty of times this season where the run game has totally let them down. While you were talking, I was just looking it up, and EPA per play, the Chiefs are still up in the run game because they, they – they run the ball in advantageous situations. Like they're smart about how they run the mm -hmm. ball. So their EPA per play is always going to be higher because this is a very efficient offense. They're smart at how they do it. But overall rushing grade, they are 26th out of 32 in the NFL. Mm -hmm. That's what that's what they're that's what they're graded out for us. So you take away number one wide receiver in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You take away the two top offensive tackles being reliable. You take away the run game and lean on. This guy's still MVP, right? This guy is still at a level where the Chiefs are contending for the number one overall seed. They're contending for being the Super Bowl favorites. And it's just, it, it, it is incredible what he has been able to do. And oh, of course, the stats aren't as good in certain categories as they have been in other years. But for you to ask the question, is this the most impressive? Yeah, I absolutely think this is the most impressive given what he's working with. 
it fascinates me the more I could I could talk about this stuff all day because you look at the roster composition and what it's going to look like uh, financially for this team, not just for this year, not having Patrick Mahomes, but knowing that the salary cap and the new TV deal that we've all been alluding to is going to bump. And there's been a little bit of research put out there uh, that I've seen on social media and I can't reference it now, but just uh, I didn't know we were going this way, but the way that this roster could be constructed and how much money they're going to have on the salary cap because they they're not paying Tyreek Hill $30 million. And to your point, it's kind of, they went to Mahomes and it was like, look, let's see how good we can. We still be good enough to go win a super bowl by not having to invest $30 million a year into what it, who is the best wide receiver in the NFL. But Patrick Mahomes is good enough to make everyone else around him good enough with Andy Reid calling the plays and designing things that this offense could still do everything it needs to do to go win a Super Bowl. And I think those are the tough decisions and the way that we're seeing it play out in slow kind of as it's played out, everybody's opinion on it's kind of changed. You reverse back to when the trade happened and the things that were being said about what was going to happen to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you right. had players in the AFC West saying somebody's going to get exposed now. And they're talking about Patrick Mahomes and like all of this doubt about him. And now we're just like, well, yeah, because it's Patrick Mahomes. Like, no, 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 no. Let's go back to what that conversation was back then uh, for contextualizing how special it is, what he's doing right now. And again, Juju Smith-Schuster needs to get a contract extension. That needs to get done. Because uh, again, we talked about it with the Kadarius Tony uh, a couple weeks ago, the addition. Now it's Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, and MVS are the only three receivers under contract beyond this year besides. And I know there's at least six people out there listening going, what about Justin Ross? Because <laughs> he was a guy that flashed during the preseason and training. Out. Sure, not a guy you're going to count on to be one of those top five guys right now. Very intriguing option. Right. But if you're talking about trying to go win a Super Bowl and really having like weapons around him, Justin Ross could be a nice piece in a competitive depth area. Uh, but again, just adding more context to what we're seeing from Patrick Mahomes. But as you look at the matchup on Sunday, Trevor, uh, done a couple of these videos talking about where is the, the weakness of the Jags. And one of the first places that's mentioned is their defensive secondary. Mm -hmm. uh, and how much zone coverage that they play and that it might not be a scenario in which, and we've talked about it this year, even teams that play a lot of zone, when they face the chiefs, they go and play a lot of man uh, because they're challenging them in that way this year. Uh, curious your thoughts against the team that has played a lot of zone coverage this year and, and what you seeing happen with that chiefs passing game. Uh, cause it could be a big day for Patrick Holmes and company. Uh, yeah, I, beyond I just, normal. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think the Jags have the horses to win the race. If you're, if you're playing a lot of man coverage and they don't, and that's, that's ultimately where we were talking about before. I think the Jags are going in the right direction. They're not there yet. So this is a team that I think plays a lot of zone coverage just because they don't have a lot of players across the board that they can have faith in to line up one-on-one, -on -one. you know, Tyson Campbell is yeah. one of them. Tyson Campbell's playing extremely well. So I'm interested to see, how the Jags kind of deploy him, but a lot of the other guys in the secondary, they're not great. And not just in the secondary either. My, my last main matchup that I have for us to focus on today is chiefs, middle of the field passing game versus mm -hmm. the Jags linebackers in coverage. So we're going back to linebackers here. Jags in their linebackers in coverage, 41.4 grade this season. It's bad. Oof. It's really bad. <laughs> That's not good. So when you were going after these linebackers in coverage, and I think a lot of it is because you're asking a rookie in Devin Lloyd, um, mm -hmm. a newcomer in Foya Luakon, right? Like these guys to have this chemistry and cohesiveness to have, to be moving as one and, you know, understanding when to pass a guy off and another, like all that timing, all that chemistry is so important to playing zone coverage. And these guys just haven't had the reps to do it. 
um, Devin Lloyd himself for, you know, he's he playing really well in run defense and he's playing really well in pass rush. Cause those are two things that he did well when he was at Utah, but in coverage, man, he's, he's been really shaky this year. He's got a 34.2 coverage grade, which is one of the lower grades for any linebacker in the NFL. So he's definitely susceptible to there. And I understand why, if you're playing a lot of zone coverage, you are again, asking a guy to rely on instinct and it's really hard to ask a rookie linebacker to rely so much on instincts when they're just trying to learn the game like they're just trying to learn the speed of things at this level so yeah it's that's, just a, go ahead go ahead i was like that's a bad combination as soon as i hear a lot of zone coverage young linebacker i could just see right. andy reed smiling from right here the amount of and they've done this before. I'm not saying this is going to be the game plan or this is what we're going to see. He's Doug Peterson knows this. He was on the roster when they did this. But uh, there was a particular matchup that the Chiefs really liked years ago when I was working for the Chiefs. They had linebackers who weren't great at communicating that they were going up against. And what you saw was a lot of pre-snap motion, right. um, a lot of formation changes, just a lot of we're going to force Devin Lloyd and these young linebackers to communicate with each other what their zone responsibilities are. When they flood it, they bring Travis Kelsey in all these different places. Uh, I can hear Andy Reid smiling, if you can believe it, uh, from here when you combine a lot of zone coverage, young linebackers struggling to communicate. Like so I, that, and, oof. And, and, and the numbers, and the numbers without a doubt back that up because we have a, uh, we have a filter on PFF where we can look at just different heat maps and where passes have been completed, where they go very often. And huh. 26% of the Chiefs' total here have have come between the numbers so between where the numbers are lined up not towards the sidelines so right in that middle of the field and between one to ten yards that little square or rectangle i think is probably the more uh, geographic (laughs) uh what is it not geographically what am i looking at geometry sure so it's the it's the more it's the better representation i have no idea for our audience i don't know we're we're following we're We're following I was trying to take the word geometry and change it into something that uh, my brain could not compute. So anyways, right past the defensive line, right where the linebackers yeah. are in the second level, Chiefs have 26% of their total passing yards coming from that point, highest completion percentage, highest quarterback rating. So that is the area of the field that they are already going comfortable going at the most. And I think that that has to do with, you know, Travis Kelsey being a force over the middle, you know, you get a lot of action with him going in that direction. Yeah. You've also got guys coming across the line of scrimmage. Uh, horizontally, a lot of those speed guys, you're normally dumping the ball off to them. If it's, if it's really deep coverage, if guys are playing soft, that's probably where you're completing those passes for good yards after the catch. Jags have allowed 81.1% completion percentage when you were attacking in that area of the field over the middle. It's just not a good recipe for them. That ultimately, you know, I waited for this to be my final key point because that's something that I just don't think they can overcome. The Chiefs are too good. They're too well-equipped. They're too experienced to attack exactly where the Jags are weakest this week. And uh, I think it's going to be right there, that area of the field going after the linebackers. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... 
the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm glad you said all of this. I'm glad the numbers back up because I've been making the point over the last few days that this could be a big game for Juju. You know, Juju was brought in 100%. to be that intermediate yes. across the middle zone kind of guy. And they've been seeing all kinds of man coverage that not that he can't beat it, not that he can't make plays. We've seen it. Uh, we saw it in the Titans game, huge fourth down conversion. It was a little scissor route on the outside, which is a man beater that we saw from Juju. Not that he can't make those plays, but he is very much a find windows A, B and C and sit in one of those windows, read the leverage of the linebackers, where they're playing. That was his strength coming over. And so we could really see a big game, uh, in my opinion, from Juju here. But you could also see it from the linebackers. Andy Reid can attack the middle of the field and those linebackers, and they're stressing their ability to communicate well uh, in a ton of different ways. And I don't think there's anyone that knows that better than Doug Peterson. Uh, so it, that, that's going to be an interesting matchup. And uh, appreciate your three key matchups in this one, Trevor. Before we let you go, uh, do you have any kind of prediction uh, on what you're going to think. I think last time I saw the line, it was nine and a half, which is very interesting considering the Titans line got up to 14 last week. Yes. Like yes. looking back on that game That's and then all of stupid. the, in- I remember asking Teron Davenport of uh, VSPN does a phenomenal job uh, covering the Titans. And I go, do you think that's a disrespectful number? Like that's a lot for a Mike Vrabel team that had been really good in their history uh, against Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs. And he was like, no, not unless we prove that we can score. And I, the, well, Malik, the first half, Malik but, was man. playing. So I guess that's I, true. That was, that was the biggest swing is that anytime you have a quarterback change and Malik hadn't showed anything the week before. So yeah. I guess I get it's, it. But uh, that in mean, the combination of wide receivers, not winning is just a horrible combination for their passing game uh, that the chiefs could sell out and do what they did against the run and really put those cornerbacks on an Island in a way that Steve Spagnuolo generally does anyway. Uh, but they just weren't challenged a whole lot. Uh, I'm really curious to see Trent McDuffie uh, this week because, you know, he'll be challenged a little bit more. Trevor Lawrence, they're going to take some shots uh, down the field. So I'm excited to see what we see from him. But what are you expecting? What's your prediction for uh, what we could see on Sunday between the Chiefs and Jags? I've got 31 to 16. I don't know why 16 just Mm -hmm. came to me in a dream. That's what I, that's that's (laughs) the vision that I had while you were talking there, but no, something around that. I think that the chiefs should be able to move the ball on offense pretty damn well against this Jags team. And I think that we'll see some nice plays from the Jags offense, but ultimately I Mm -hmm. obviously, I don't think it'll be enough. So I don't think it'll be a total trouncing, but I do think the chiefs should hold on to control this game. Most of the time. Uh, I think that they should cover that nine points. Like I said, the Jags just aren't there quite yet, by the way, geometric was the word that I was looking for <laughs> geometric shape was the word that I was looking for there. So I had to make sure that I got that out before we got out of here. I appreciate you clearing that up. I I'm just a dumb sports guy. That's all I've ever been Come played on, baseball. Coach. Talk about football. I don't know all these, these other things Coaches and fancy stats and all your stuff is geometry in motion. You know, <laughs> it's just triangle yeah. offenses and what you're doing here, what you're doing there. And so, yeah, I got to make sure I get my vocab right for that. That is Trevor Sycamore from pro football focus. You can follow him at PFF. Um, find all of his content there and uh, it's just football podcast he does every day of the week uh, with Mike Renner Trevor man we always appreciate you joining us appreciate it BJ
All right. We appreciate everybody for listening, spending part of your day with us, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate your support as we're uh, just 18 months into this thing at KC Sports Network. We'll have some more content getting ready, getting you ready for Chiefs and Jags on Sunday. Don't forget that like and subscribe and follow us. Turn notifications on if you're watching on YouTube so you can catch all of our content. But until then, we'll see you next time.